0: On today's episode of Power of the Towel for the Nux Misconduct Network, the season finale of Power of the Towel, not much Canucks news, unfortunately, to talk about, but I do bring up one player who I think should be in the Canucks ring of honor. We also discussed quickly the top five Canucks of all time that was sweeping the Twitterverse just the other day and our guest this week is none other than tsn's james duffy should be a good one
1: you'll be saying wow every time you use this towel
0: he's not a person at all he's a towel you're a cow but in vancouver mainly it's all about towel power are you ready all right, welcome to another episode of Power of the Towel for the next misconic Network. I'm your host, Nick Bondi. Before you go any further, before you listen any further, make sure to subscribe to the network. You get this show, you get Silky and Filthy. The Quickie and, of course, sipping on a 40. All will be back in shorter. As I mentioned, this is the final episode of the season finale. The season finale. This is the season finale of Power of the Towel for the Nuxpress Connacht Network. It's been a fun ride. I'll discuss it more at the very end of the episode. But I want to quickly go over the top five Canucks graphic that was sweeping Canucks Twitter. Just the other day. And first of all, you almost have to l- lump the Sedins in order, right? Like, it's almost unfair to say that they're two different players. Even though they are two different players, they're so intricately twined. That I don't think it's fair to put them as separate players. It's just have on these graphics Sedins. And good job on the on NHL social media. They knew people would be talking about this. And I think it was pretty clear from my from my perspective what the top five Canucks were of all time. Sedins, Marcus Nasland, Luongo, and Pedersen. Yes, no Pavel Bury. And of course, I'm going I never really watched Pavel Burry play. He left the team when I was four years old. I don't really have any memories of Pavel Bury nor of Trevor Linden. So I'm going off Canucks that I personally saw play. Daniel Hendrix sedin no question about it. The two best Canucks of all time. Marcus Naslin, at the time, one of the best wingers in the league during the West Coast Express era, no doubt about it. Roberto Luongo. Roberto Luongo maybe has a case for the best Canuck of all time. Remember the Canucks' goaltending state before Luongo came into this franchise. It was a mess. you got Dan Cloutier. Danny Saberin, Peter Scudra, Johan Hedberg. It was cycling through goalies. And finally, Luongo comes in for an absolute bargain. I still remember where I was when I found out Luongo was traded to the Vancouver Canucks. I think Luongo doesn't get enough credit for what he did to this franchise and how integral he was to the resurgence with the Sedins as the core players. And Elias Pettersson, I'm saying it already, he's already one of the best Canucks ever. And this may be a bit of recency bias, but every time I see this guy play, it is must-watch. The Deeks, oh my god, the Deeks. The Deeks are insane. I'm not putting Trevor Linden in there. Again, didn't watch him in his prime. Didn't watch a guy like Kirk McClain in his prime. Brock Besser, Bo Horvat. bit too early for that. Now, Kevin Bieksa. I don't think he's one of the five best Canucks of all time. But I saw something online the other day. Petitioned to put Todd Bertuzzi in the Ring of Honor. And I was thinking about it. Does Todd Bertuzzi deserve to go in the Ring of Honor? He played parts of eight seasons with the Vancouver Canucks. left, of course, as part of that Roberto Luongo deal. I think Kevin Bieksa. Deserves to be in the ring of honor more than a player like Todd Bertuzzi. Now, hear me out. Of course, play longer here in Vancouver than Todd Bertuzzi. Todd Bertuzzi at his prime, that 3 season, 97 points in 82 games. is an absolute beast. Probably the best power forward in the game. But Kevin Bieksa put up 42 points as a second-year player, his first full year in the National Hockey League, had two more 40-point seasons, an integral part of that 2011 team playing with Dan Hamuse, and maybe maybe that's why I want him in the Ring of Honor. I'm not sure. But I would think a guy like Kevin Bieksa, a guy who put his heart and soul on the line every time he was on the ice for the Vancouver Canucks, and a fan favorite. We all love Kevin Bieksa. We all love what he's doing in broadcasting. I think a guy like Kevin Biexa deserves to be in the ring of honor more than a player like Todd Bertuzzi. Maybe we should start the petition to put Todd Bertuzzi, oh, sorry, Kevin Bieksa in the ring of honor. Maybe we should start that because I think he deserves it more than a player like Todd Bertuzzi. Maybe a bit of a hot take, but I think Kevin Bieksa pretty much 10... Very solid season for the Vancouver Canucks. He deserves to be honored some way by the franchise. Okay, we mentioned it off the top. Very excited for this next guest. The face of TSN's hockey coverage is none other than James Duffy.
1: Just a minute! Don't hang up! Hello. You'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel.
0: Okay, so we now welcome on the Power of the Towel podcast for the Nux Conduct Network, the longtime host of TSN's hockey coverage, published author, and after James Sabolsky, the second person to appear on this podcast with his own Wikipedia page. It is James Duthie. James, how are you doing today?
1: Sabolsky would have created his own Wikipedia page.
0: Yeah, no, you so know what? Easy. I asked him That's at the time, like, who you on. think created it, and I will edit it on your behalf. I will do the same for you. Do you want me to edit your Wikipedia page yes. on your behalf? So uh,
1: you, you look at, I'm an old guy. So ne- you need to explain this to me. Can anyone, can anyone edit a Wikipedia yeah, page? Yeah,
0: you can go on and you edit it, but it does have logs to say like where you are and like your IP address and everything, but anyone can edit it.
1: Because, uh, and you know, I'm not trying, You you may be going to use something you found on my Wikipedia page, which is fine. So I'm not criticizing you, but it is remarkable the amount of times people will have me on shows or whatever and uh i actually haven't, i haven't been on my wikipedia page in a long time but it feels like they're reading something they found on the wikipedia page because there's like numerous things that are not no longer accurate or were accurate or whatever i mean they're close right
0: okay i'm just gonna scrap every question i have prepared for this (laughs) interview so (laughs) that's kind of that's kind of the 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 preparation we do i'm gonna look up
1: i'm gonna look up my wikipedia page while we're talking because i haven't been there in a long time how do you what if you just if you just just google james just
0: yeah just search james duffy it's usually the first thing that comes up i'm
1: not i'm not gonna be like i look at i've searched my name before i'm not gonna be one of those guys like it but i okay that's the it's so it's the very first thing that comes up so I'll go through it for you. Currently, the host of TSN hockey. Yeah, well, that coverage, sounds about accurate. right. World Juniors, accurate, Grey Cup, MLS Cup, accurate. Four-time Canadian Screen Award winner. I mean, technically eight. But oh, who's okay. Oops, who's
0: who's keeping track?
1: Um, uh, yeah, this is actually not bad. This is not bad. But it's funny how people just read the like the if I'm doing a speaking, people read the entire entire thing. Yeah, just, just kind of like go is, back and verbatim. James Duffy was a former touch football player. Is that true? Playing for the Do- playing for Doom in the C division, Duffy's career was cut short due to a devastating downfield head-to-head collision. So somebody who played with me in football must have written that because that actually happened. Yeah, I was going to say that might have been
0: you because that's oddly specific. <laughs>
1: no, I, w- I would never have written that on my page, but
0: Yeah, he would have pumped your so- tires a bit more.
1: But isn't it a little crazy that anybody can go on and say whatever they want on these things?
0: Yeah, it is pretty crazy. But like, if I have my own Wikipedia page, and that's what I'm striving to, towards, my own Wikipedia page—that's how I feel like I've made it.
1: Right. Okay. Okay. All right. So. So I feel good now. I feel like I've made it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, you def- you definitely have. Uh, <laughs> my first question, my first actual question is, what is Bob Mackenzie's cabin like? I guess you guys we would call a cabin. You guys would call it a cottage. Have you ever been to Bob McKenzie's cottage and? What is it like? I always have some sort of, it's, it has like a mythical kind of tone to it. Like you send the, right. the typical like tweet at the end of the season is, all right, Bob McKenzie's off to the cottage for the summer. That kind of marks <laughs> the end of hockey season.
1: No, I rate That is, that's the official end. It's not when Bettman hands out the cup or whatever, no. or uh, when the end of the free. So Bob McKenzie ends. says he uh, wants
0: to crush a bunch of margaritas.
1: It's over. First of all, why is it that people in B.C. say cabin and we in Ontario say cottage? Do I don't we know. have any the origins of that? No, because I have no I idea. Only, when I'm talking to my B.C. friends, it's like it's a yeah. my, thing. my mom grew up because in Ontario,
0: and she says the same thing. She has, she has no idea why.
1: But the only thing cabin to me, and I grew up partially in the West, uh, but cabin cabin feels like it's in the woods. But if you had one on a lake, it's still a cabin, right? Yeah, a or
0: cabin is, is just like your ha- a, a place you have that's not in the city. That's always how I've defined it. You know, somewhere in the lower mainland, if you live in the lower mainland.
1: Right. Because if I had a, if I was in Ontario, if I had it, I would say I had a cabin. If I, you know, it was like out a Unabomber type place out in the woods. But if I had a cottage, that would mean on the waters. So I just say cabin, it always has that connotation. So my friend in BC will say, I'm going up to the cabin for the weekend. And I feel like they're going to this little shack in the woods. Yeah. to Kill people. <laughs> so I, again, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just strange. Um, but you're, I have been. I've been fortunate enough to be twice uh, at Bob's Cottage. And recently, as a matter of fact, I think I was the first guy to go up there during the retirement, the, wow. the little soft retirement phase of Bob's career. Uh, my wife and I went up uh, and had dinner with Bob and his wife, Cindy, uh, I'm going to say July, I guess. Sometime July, July or August. So it's beautiful. It's a really nice cottage uh, on a really nice lake. Uh, you know, not over the top. It's like Bob, like Bob would never get something grandiose and over the top because that's not Bob, but it's just really nice, right on the water, really good spot. Bob's a simple guy, simple pleasures, but it's it's an awesome spot. I've always a picture I very privileged to him. Mm-hmm.
0: I always picture it like Camelot, like he has like the Knights of the Round Table before every hockey season, like they all gather there and they try to like discuss try and discuss like what they're gonna like frame the NHL season like
1: yeah, that doesn't happen. No,
0: okay.. It's, <laughs> uh, so uh speaking yeah, you'd of bob- be, you'd
1: be you'd be you'd be disappointed nick in how little hockey talk would happen when like say bob and i are at the cottage oh, okay. a glass of wine, because uh, bob and i are both like we love the game but when you when you when you work in it and you have to digest it 24 7 during the season and this year it never ends because we didn't get a summer mm-hmm. um when when that happens, when you're together away from it, you want to be away from it. So yeah. we will talk about pretty much anything anything but that.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah. how long is Bob McKenzie going to pull off the, the Brett Favre retirement where he's just kind of saying he's retired, then comes back, and then also goes <laughs> retires again? Because I saw him on the free agent frenzy panel, and then you know he right. says he's retired, and then he goes on and tweets about like Jack Eichel getting traded from the Buffalo Sabers, or and then sets the whole world on fire. Like how long is he so, doing the half Brett Favre retirement?
1: No, it's it's not a boxer retirement or a UFC fighter or a Brett Favre retirement. I think it's just more miscommunication with the word retirement. And that's probably Bob's fault because he's the one who said soft retirement. And frankly, I'll say this. Like if I was Bob's boss, I would have never even let him say it. I would just mm-hmm. say, you're not saying anything because people don't, people can't digest how many times we're on TV or on the radio, right? Like sometimes uh, people say to me, oh man, you're on every day. And I'm not like, I, I'm glad people think that. Cause it makes, makes me think they think I'm working harder than I am. But you know, sometimes you might see me once a week or something, but then assume that I'm on every other day and I'm not. And with Bob, uh, like Bob had a full schedule for a long time. He's not going to have a full schedule anymore, but he's still going to do world juniors. Uh, assuming we get to world juniors this year, which we're hopeful. He's still going to always do the free agent frenzy. He's still going to do trade center. He's going to do a handful of hockey games and he's going to do the draft. So all those things that you basically associate Bob with, he's still going to do. So if I was the boss, I would have said, Bob, don't say you're retiring because then people think you're leaving. And that's not great for TSN when really, you know, I would have been really curious if Bob didn't say anything and TSN didn't say anything, how much people would have noticed. Right. They they might have thought like in your brain, Nick, you might have been going, ah, maybe I haven't heard Bob as much on Vancouver radio or uh, the radio is probably where people would notice it more than anything else. Yeah. But I'm not sure if television wise, people would have noticed as much.
0: Well, if he just stops like tweeting about, you know, breaking trades or signing or something, I think someone, someone would definitely notice at that point.
1: Well, he said he wasn't going to do that anymore. And I said, there's no way, Bob, you can't because it's so it's so in you. And you've been doing it for so long and you've been the best at it for so long that if, and people are still going to reach out to him because they trust him so much. So, uh, let's say the Eichel story, wherever that came from. And I don't pretend to know if it was a GM or an assistant GM or an agent or whatever that may be, whoever Bob's source was on that story, they probably reached out to him said, Hey, Bob, this is what's going on. And, uh, you know, Bob's not going to not tweet it. No, It's just that I think that I think the the real way of putting it is Bob's not going to actively chase stories. Okay. It will just come to him. And that's the ultimate definition of a king.
0: That's the ultimate, like, Bob father move. This is like people are just want right. to tell him things and want to get out there. Yeah. That's so, so that's baller, right. man. So and That's
1: the way it's going to happen. He's, he is the ultimate baller, but I love him to death.
0: Okay, so let's get to some hockey questions. Um, TSN ran a poll, and I have it up right here. Which team will end the Canadian Stanley Cup drought? So... The Canucks actually led the way. 31% of people voted Vancouver Canucks to be the team that ends the Stanley Cup drought. Afterwards, it was Montreal, Edmonton, Toronto, kind of at the same pace. And then Calgary, Ottawa, Winnipeg, kind of in a third-way tie. So Mm -hmm. now that the NHL offseason is pretty much done and dusted, and who knows when next season is going to start, but when it does, the lineups now are pretty much going to be the lineups that the teams are going to start with. Do you still think the Vancouver Canucks are the team that has the best shot of ending the Stanley Cup drought for Canada?
1: Well, I I will first say that I think that uh, somebody asked me this question to rank the teams uh, last week or something, and I had a a really hard time doing that. And I think that's why if they do get this Canadian division going, it'll be fascinating because with the exception of Ottawa, which is still a couple years away, you could kind of make a case – for all
0: six yes i've said the same thing uh, on the podcast they're all kind of at the same level
1: very close and also i'm hesitant to say this to you because you're gonna your listeners might accuse me of sucking up to the market which by the way is an old trick in uh in radio and television yeah. I, I i know people in my business that you know do certain radio shows and they go on if you ask this question they go on in toronto and say toronto and they go in <laughs> montreal and say montreal and they go in Vancouver yeah, and say that's Vancouver. a classic big j move <laughs> And, yeah, I hope nobody finds out. But uh, I would say the Canucks, and that's I would go on that more than anything else just because, uh, A, the core is still great, and, B, we've seen them win. And I we're all, uh, you know, we all played a recency bias, and mm-hmm. I haven't seen Toronto do anything. So you could, you could make an argument that Toronto's core is better. You could. You might not. Uh, I'm not sure that it is, but I haven't seen them do anything. Whereas I've seen these guys on the Canucks do it. Like I watched them just a month ago make a really good run. And so I know that they can do it. And I haven't seen that from, you know, Calgary or Toronto. And, you know, Montreal's made all these changes. Montreal's kind of the darling pick right now because of all the changes they made. But who knows if it's all going to come together. And, you know, Winnipeg's there, but with issues. And so I just think by process of elimination, Vancouver would be my first choice. Mm-hmm. Just. Because I've watched them and they've shown me and that whole old cliches that I'm not telling you anything you haven't heard a gazillion times about, you know, getting somewhere and making the steps and winning a little bit and losing before you win and all that. Uh, I think, I don't think you can overstate the importance of what they did this summer, just for all those guys to have that experience and go through those games and the unbelievable wins and the devastating losses and to go through all of that, I think is going to be invaluable. So um, that's why I would take Vancouver by a nose over all those those other five teams.
0: You may be more optimistic about the Canucks than a lot of people in this market because, you know, they mm-hmm. lose Markstrom, they lose to Foley two big pieces, they lose Tanev, mm-hmm. and they didn't, they replaced, like, they got Nate Schmidt, which I think is going to be a good top four addition. But it's hard to see the Canucks, in my opinion, get to the same level they were last year unless, you know, their studs, their young studs, Take another step forward, like the Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, Brock Besser, Bo Horvats, They got to be even better, and that's a. T- but who's to
1: say, I would think I think they will do that. And but that's—they're already your best saying. players. No, I know that, but Quinn Hughes isn't going to get worse. He's yes. going to get better, and and so is Pettersson. And I think that before the Schmidt acquisition, if you had asked me that question. I might not have said Vancouver. I, I might have said that's too many losses without enough equal replacement. Um, but that, I really love that move. I, I just love that player. And I think it saved their off season. Yeah. And it single-handedly sort of changed my opinion a little bit on it. I'd like to see one more. But I'd like to see like a Mike Hoffman come in to you know replace Foley Then that may, might make me even more convinced. But uh, Schmidt was enough that I think for Jim Benning, it, it, it really saved the off season. I just like that player. And for everybody they lost, um, I think that was a huge, a, a massive pickup. And I mean, the goal, the, the goalie thing hurt, but I think that uh, the way Demko played and the fact that Holpe's got kind of a reboot, I'm not as concerned about that as maybe, uh, maybe some people would be, but all those are legitimate concerns. I still think, I really think it's hard. Uh, I, I I always will defer to the core more than anything else because I think you could go around the league and it's hard to judge whether a bottom six is going to be, you know, a bottom six or a third D pair or a seventh defenseman. It's hard to rate those against each other, uh, I find, when I'm evaluating teams before I've seen them play together. And so I'll always, always defer to you know the top 8 or 9 players and that's why I still like the
0: nuts. Yeah, and I think this the whole debate goes to show how much we debate the minutia in Canadian hockey markets. You know, we we like to talk about, you know, the third pair defenseman. We like to, yeah. we like to, you know, talk about the fourth line and the third line winger. Like we've talked so much in this market about Jake Virtanen and he's let's be honest, he's 24 years old. He's a third line winger, but people cannot get enough talk about Jake Virtanen.
1: I think that uh Vancouver is probably, to me, the most interesting media market in Canada. And when I, when I moved, I was in Ottawa uh, as a news reporter, and then I did some sports early in my career. And then uh, I I went back to doing news in Vancouver when, the you'd probably be too young, but VTV was the station at the time, launched in 1998. Okay, and I was four at the time, became, so yeah. Bit. Yeah, so there you <laughs> go. It became uh, the CTV station eventually. but So I went back to doing news in that market, and uh, you know, covered covered some sports, but covered news mostly. And I, the competitiveness of the Vancouver market from a media perspective, and and I, the passion from the fan base. I always say is, you know, people can talk. Hockey players like to talk about Toronto and oh, Toronto's a difficult market to play in with all the media. I think Vancouver's and and I don't. This is a compliment. I'm not trying to knock the Vancouver media. I just think the passion in that market and the detail that you're talking about is uh, unmatched a- anywhere in the national hockey league and so and that's great right that's that's what we love about canada that we can have these discussions and that that it matters to us who's on the fourth line and third line but uh you're right like if jake vertanin was playing in you know nashville right now there there would not be a lot of talk probably going on
0: <laughs> we're not would not be a lot of talk going around him right now now from no. it from a, from a no. tsn perspective I know you guys don't have mm-hmm. the national rights anymore, but you still do have a lot of regional rights. You do the Leafs, yeah. Habs, Sens, and Jets uh, regional coverage. How much are you guys licking your lips at a potential Canadian division next season, whenever next season happens? Because I know you don't have you know, the, the national rights, but you still do cover a lot of the Canadian teams. And, yeah. j- j- and I know the hockey is going to be awesome, but the content, the off- online content from everyone ribbing each other about a potential Canadian division, is gonna be off the chains exciting in my opinion.
1: Yeah, we missed that by the way. I I like, I I really miss doing, I missed the, one of the things I really missed about when we had the national rights is, you know, on Wednesday night, we would do a a Habs or Leafs game early and then do a Canucks game late. uh, I I love that. So the fact that we're not on regularly doing our intermissions and our panels in your market still makes me sad because I kind of consider Vancouver second home, but uh, I'm really pumped for it if it happens. just simply because of what we talked about a few questions ago the fact of how equal it is and even Ottawa at the bottom is an interesting team because they're coming and because they have all these all these guys so it it's kind of like if if there ever was a year to have an all Canadian division i think this would be the perfect year in a way because they're so even and everybody's good and nobody really sucks and and there's just so so little to determine between these teams that I, I think it would just be it would be fascinating, and it wouldn't get old, you know. If it's Vancouver, Edmonton for the fourth time in two weeks, I wouldn't mind that whatsoever.
0: Yeah, people people would eat it up, from a, from a content mm. perspective. Like you know, McDavid versus Pedersen for five straight games or whatever the, the schedule is right. going to look like, it would be amazing.
1: I just wonder if the decision to uh, to stop the the fourteen day quarantine, if people get a test right away will that will hurt the idea of a Canadian division like I I think the NHL would love to keep it as normal as possible and 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 keep a normal schedule and the government's you know all this talk that they may be able to just test you at the border sort of thing and then let you in I wonder if that will be the NHL's impetus to say scrap the Canadian division let's do things normally I hope not because that's uh, I think it would be a fun thing to see
0: yeah, and now we briefly touched earlier about the national rights, uh, like out, you, you mentioned it a bit earlier, like outside, like in this in this market, we barely see TSN. Like we have Rogers, obviously, covers the Canucks yeah. regionally, and they obviously have the national rights, which includes the Wednesday night, Saturday night games, all the playoffs. We barely see TSN. Do you think kind of that monopoly on coverage that Rogers has has affected the product at all? Because like I said we barely see tsn and it's pretty much all rogers at like especially in some markets especially what do out you here mean,
1: what do you mean by uh, affected the product affected well, the product do, on television yeah like, affected
0: the product on television like do you think do you think it's affected the product at all
1: well i'll answer the question this way uh, and people could contend that it's sour grapes because uh, you know we didn't get the national rights but i think it was a a big mistake only because i think that competition always makes things better. And that, uh, you know, the NFL f- model of doing things, which is get as many networks as possible involved in your coverage is the ideal way of doing it. And I personally believe that the NHL has realized this now and that you will never see the situation ever happen again. I think it was an idea that one guy had and he sold it on the national hockey league and they went for it and heck they got a lot of money out of it. Um, but, I just personally believe if I was standing outside the business, that if if, or if I was running a league, that that's what I would want. I want to be on, uh, in the case of an American League, I want to be on CBS and NBC and and Fox and ESPN as much as possible. And in the case of the NHL, if I could gaze into a crystal ball, I I think that's what it'll be next time. I, I bet you in the States that they'll let ESPN get involved, to have them involved in NBC. And that the next time the rights come around in Canada, that it will be, uh, you know, Sportsnet and TSN and, uh, you know, who knows if CBC gets involved or by that time if we have uh, Google or yeah. Apple or something else in, involved, who knows. But uh, I, I just think that it's, it's better all around. Like TSN has not suffered because of this whatsoever. Like I said, it, it's a bummer to me that you guys don't get to see us doing NHL games more, but we have more hockey on our air that we've, than we've ever had before. Um, so, you know, we're fine, but I just think from a league perspective that, uh, that was a mistake.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, when I mentioned to my friends that I was going to have James Duffy on my podcast, they're all very excited. And I've got a bunch of questions here that I've, I want to get to from all of them. But the one question that everyone really wanted me to ask is about one thing, Toronto media bias. Now, you know, the TSN old thing in Toronto Sports Network, you know, they make jokes if, you know, Willie Nylander gets a haircut, it's on the front page of, or like the front page of tsn.ca and everything. What's your response to people to who say, you know, TSN has a Toronto bias?
1: Well, I, I would first say, uh, look, you, you, I can't sit here and say that's 100% not true because you're right. We And I, I try to I try to deal with it by making fun of it. On oh yeah, the air, right. Yeah. If Austin Matthews breaks a toenail or something, because uh, I'd be, I no one would take me seriously if I said that we don't give the Leafs an awful lot of attention. Um, all I can say from a personal standpoint, I'm not from Toronto. I grew up in Ottawa and I grew up in BC, and most of the guys I work with are not from Toronto. You know, uh, um, Darren Drager's from you know Saskatchewan and Dutchies from Saskatchewan and Natasha's from out west and. And uh, Rod Smith is from Ottawa and so on I could go down the list. And when I'm in there every single day, I fight for equal coverage for all the teams. Um, and I think that sometimes it's unfair. Like I think the Canucks will lead the late edition of sports center more often than people give them credit to you. everybody will say, Oh, it'll always be the least. I don't think that's always the case. Um, so certainly it's sometimes the case, uh, but I really, I guess it gets under my skin because I, I really fight for the fact that I know in the personal way that I try to handle hockey coverage, I try to give equal coverage to all seven of the Canadian teams as much as possible because that's the way I want it. The, the reality is the Leafs are an incredibly popular team as we see when they go to Vancouver or Ottawa or anywhere else. And so it's, I mean, there. it's a bit, that's, that's sort of if you're covering, uh, I don't know. I can't make. You know, what, I'm, I'm going to try to make an analogy here, and Go I'll ahead. fail miserably. And all and all your friends that gave me the questions will will make fun of me. So I won't even try to make an analogy. But they're a very popular team in Canada, so they do get a lot of coverage. And that's that's the way it is. I'm not making excuses for it. I'm not apologizing for it. All I'm saying is that uh, I do fight the good fight to get equal coverage for all the teams.
0: When you see a story,
1: you know what? It's it's fair. It's fair criticism when you. Like I said, when Austin Matthews has a shoelace undone and it's on the front page of the website, it's it, it it's fair. <laughs> but I think you just, you know, yeah, we try our best. Is all I can tell you. When
0: you see a story on TSN and it's on the front page, like Austin Matthews breaks a stick in practice, you got to be like, oh man, right. it, it, the, the hate's coming today. Like they all, everyone's coming right, for a Toronto Sports but Network I today. I would
1: say, you know, it's obviously not just TSN. I would think that you you could make the same uh same oh no it's definitely the, the case for a or, lot of national yeah, sports yeah. networks not naming other guys yeah. right uh so that's uh yeah i think it's it's a bit of a reality and like i said i i all i can say is i could fight the good fight for you guys i promise okay i promise you that you, you
0: we have a, we have an ally in james duffy that's why i like to hear
1: well i'm just yeah when someone says to me like if if i am doing for instance a i'm, I'm trying to give an example here um Okay, if we are doing a season preview show or something like that, I will always say, okay, if the Leafs are the first block, why are they the first block? Give me a reasonable explanation why they're the first block of the show. And uh, if it's a reasonable explanation, then that's that's fair enough for me. But if it's not, I'll say, uh, no, it should be the blanks. The senators should be what we're talking about first here or the Canucks or the Flames. And I again the only other thing I can say is the management team like the the evil quizmaster his name is Steve Dryden the guy that I that you know does a lot of our hockey Bob McKenzie, Darren Dreger, those guys. We all we have those conversations and we make we argue if someone tries to put the Leafs higher than they necessarily should be. Mm-hmm. So it's the uh, best I can do for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's that's a very good explanation. It's good to see that there's yeah. people like TSN, Sportsnet, like, they have a reputation, I think, in Vancouver and the West Coast as everyone's a big Toronto guy. And when they, when they, when when people have a debate between Leafs, Canucks stories, it's always going to be Leafs. But it's good to hear, like, there's some sort of, at least people are thinking about it in those newsrooms.
1: Well, 100% we are, 100%. And, uh, uh, like, I want to be, uh, you know, again, I, part of it's because I, I feel such affinity to Vancouver, I think, in that case. It, it's always weird. when When I moved out there, um i i got a sense of the the dislike the general dislike of vancouver towards toronto forget forget tsn and the leafs yeah. and the canucks and all that but just a general uh which i never really knew uh existed before and i remember even when i worked in the vent in the newsroom and told everybody i was going back to tsn and there was a lot of why would you want to move to toronto that sort of thing but then when i moved to toronto like everyone in toronto kind of kind of loves vancouver so it's it's weird there right that uh, but I, I guess I get it. Um, you know, being from Ottawa, I guess Ottawa had a little bit of that too. Just, you know, the Toronto sort of uh I guess attitude or whatever that may be. Um I actually live in a town called Aurora north of Toronto. I d I don't live in Toronto, but I, Toronto people are yeah, they're they're fine. Out you east know, it's like, all it's like all kinda of Toronto. Toronto. All, all
0: like, southern Ontario is sort of Toronto.
1: Yeah, that, that's the way people treat it that way. Yeah. But, uh, I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell you, Toronto people aren't that big assholes. Honestly. Uh, okay. Like, I, I like. I love Toronto people. I love Vancouver people. I love Canadians. I know yeah. I'm starting to sound like a politician. I don't mean yeah. to.
0: You sound like Jackie uh, Moon. Everybody love everybody.
1: <laughs> well, that's just the way I am. That's the way I want Canada to be. You know.
0: Everybody love everybody. James Duffy. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, as a TSN employee, would you like to officially apologize to everyone by calling this year's free agent frenzy a frenzy because I was not really. It was not really a frenzy. It was more a trickle.
1: I apologize uh, for every year when we call it a frenzy. <laughs> uh, I just, I, and again, you'll, uh, the only way I do this is I try to make fun of it when we're on the air. It's like Trade Center. I've told everyone to their face for 10 years that Trade Center is the most overhyped thing ever. Uh, there's no secret. I mean, Canadian hockey fans are smart they know that nothing's going to happen till 1 PM and we're on at 8 AM for the most part. But, uh, it's just the reality. I I sort of went through this love hate relationship with those days free agent frenzy and trade center where I I hated them because it, it is hard to be on the air and talk sensically for 10 hours or whatever, sometimes not talk gibberish. Uh, so I used to almost, uh, you know, in the weeks before I would not look forward to it whatsoever. But then I kind of made peace with it and said, you know what, people are going to, I wanted to get it started at like noon instead of 8 a.m. Eastern. And then I went to my bosses and they showed me how great the ratings were. And I always figured, well, why is that? And I kind of figure everybody is just like rubbernecking at an accident scene. They just want to watch us fill the four hours and see how we screw up, basically, because <laughs> you're all sickos. Yeah. Um, but but then I said, you know what, it's kind of a day just to celebrate hockey, right? You sit around and you got... Ray Ferraro and button and uh, Bob McKenzie and Dave pool and an O dog and all these guys. And it's kind of a day just to talk hockey and I could talk hockey with those guys all day, even if we didn't have any trades or in the case of free agent frenzy, any free agent signings So I've kind of embraced it and I enjoy it a lot more now. Uh, anyway, that's a long winded way of saying you're right. It's not, it wasn't a frenzy this year. It was kind of a joke. It was a day of signing guys at $1.2 million a year for two years. Um, And it wasn't my most enjoyable frenzy. Because usually I like those big, ugly contracts where general managers make massive mistakes. Those are the fun ones, right? Those are the ones to digest. And uh, uh, so that didn't happen this year. So it was a little bit of a disappointment. Mm -hmm. But hey, it's 2020. Everything's a disappointment.
0: Uh, Who, in your opinion, has the consistently worst takes on the TSN panel?
1: (laughs) I'm not going to answer (laughs) that. (laughs) <laughs> is it O dog? This, this is this, is this from one of your buddies? Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> is it is it O dog?
1: I don't know if you'd, you'd have to go back and ev- like, there's somebody who could make a, a living out of going back and and analyzing old takes because the one thing about TV, you know, you say something, it goes out yeah. in the wilderness, and then nobody actually, you, you know that Daniel Dale guy on CNN? Yeah, the who Toronto you have Star, that fa- fact checker, the guy who fact checks Trump. You need somebody making maybe this could you could be your career, Nick, who fax checks like TSN and yeah. Sportsnet and all the stuff that we all the takes that we say and checks them out. You know, six months later, a year later, this was the worst draft pick ever. You know, who the hell's going to take that guy first? Yeah. Or uh,
0: actually, so, it was not the worst draft pick ever. The worst draft pick ever was.
1: Yeah, exactly. So uh, I don't know. We've all had horrible takes. I've had horrible takes. I would say that the least horrible takes is Bob because he just avoids doing takes. Yeah. So the smartest thing is to just not have takes, right? It's hard to be, it's hard to be Jeff O'Neill or uh, Mike Johnson or Dave Poulin and, and, and be asked to be, you know, have a hard take on something. Is mm-hmm. this guy good? The, is Connor McDavid, the best player in the NHL or is it Nathan McKinnon or whatever it may be? And you're just going to get proven wrong. Are the Canucks better? Is the Canucks score better than the Leafs score? And then, You'll say the Leafs and the Canucks will go out and win the Stanley Cup. It's just uh, I don't envy the analysts because of that because I just think they're you're put in a position where none of us really know. That's why we had that monkey that spun the wheel years yeah. ago for the playoffs because we were making fun of ourselves. We Nobody knows. These guys watch the games. They have experience. Their opinions are more informed than the average guy probably, but they can be wrong as much as the average guy too. And so – Uh, I just think that's, that's a hard, hard gig. So, uh, sorry, I didn't answer your question very well, but I, I just, I can throw, I like throwing my guys under the bus as much as possible, especially O-Dog, but I can't on this one because uh, it's too tough a gig.
0: Okay. Now, not everyone can bat a hundred. Not everyone has a perfect shooting percentage. You're going to miss sometimes.
1: Well, if you're batting 100, Nick, uh, that would be one for 10, and you'd be in really good See,
0: I, I, you know what? I don't even watch baseball, so that was a terrible analogy on my part. I should stick with the perfect okay. shooting percentage. <laughs> it's okay, okay buddy. Well, we'll, no, okay, we will not cut that out. We'll leave that in. Okay, <laughs> so I wanted to make sure to ask a question about your career, and I was you know, racking my brain to find a good one to ask, and the one that first came to my mind, I think it's, it's, a, it's a good one to ask, is about the 2010 Golden Goal. You were there. You were hosting CTV's uh, Olympic coverage of the event back. This is back when it was called the Canada hockey place for the Olympics. Also GM Mm -hmm. plays around the same time. Would you, where would you rank that in your career in terms of moments That the most surreal moment of your career?
1: That's number one. And, uh, uh, that'll be number one forever. I don't think I'll ever, I'll ever surpass that because well, numerous reasons. Uh, first I was kind of an Olympic geek when I was a kid. I like, I love the Olympics and, uh, yeah, 10 years old, like I watched every second of, of of the games. And and so to be able to not only to host an Olympics, but to host an Olympics in your own country. And I kind of had the dream gig where I was hosting in studio during the day with Lisa Laflamme, and then I would go down and do the hockey games at night. And for Canada to for that for it to end that way we were about just 30 feet behind where crosby scored probably yeah and i remember going to the games out.
0: and seeing the the panels kind of like uh, yeah. like floating we
1: had like, we had like a this really cool set that uh, retracted into over the zamboni entrance and we sat in the stands and watched the game like right next to fans which was a bit of an adventure and then uh, the period would end and the set would kind of zoop out mm-hmm. over the zamboni and that, that's where we do the intermissions but uh my son was playing a playoff game back in aurora and I was looking at my phone, which might have been a Blackberry back then, and uh, uh, trying to check a score. And when I, I actually heard the arena was so quiet and tense, I heard uh Crosby yell Iggy and looked up just in time to see the goal like 30 feet away from me. So that was uh that'll never be topped. And if you think of that that day, I can't remember what the ratings were, but somewhere around twenty million or something like that yeah, for that game. Everyone
0: was watching that game. That,
1: that will never be touched. That will be the most watched. Event in Canadian history, as long as you are alive because not enough people watch t v anymore right like everything's changed people get highlights on their phones and stuff. you will never see another game that has a twenty million or twenty five million rating or whatever the heck that was so uh to just be a tiny little part of that broadcast was uh was really cool.
0: do you remember after Zach parise scored the tying goal how did, how tense was that building? Because I remember watching at home with my parents and a few friends of ours that, oh, shit, like, they could actually lose yeah. this game.
1: Yeah, unbelievable. I don't – and I was, you know, as a journalist, you're supposed to be, you know, no bias and uh, yeah. neutral, and I, and I try to be that way. It's here the for storylines. Yeah, but I was – you're still Canadian, right? And I was nervous as heck, and plus uh, I was – you know, Luongo – I have not gotten to be good friends with many guys in the national hockey league. I don't, I I intentionally keep a distance uh, because I know I have to go on the air and criticize them sometimes, but Luongo, because of all the goofy features we did over the years, I got to be really good friends with him and I wanted it so badly for him. um, That I was, you know, I was, I was as nervous as everybody else. I think there in in the, in the crowd that day. And sorry, this is going to sound like a shameless plug, uh, but I, I have the book out, which you probably asked me about later, but that's one of the chapters in the book. One of the last chapters in the book is about Luongo and the 2010 Olympics. It's called the Golden Goalie because he'd never really gotten into the details of what that entire experience was like, you know, um, going into the Olympics, not knowing who was going to be the starter. He tells the story in the book of how, how he found out he was, you know, he got mm. a text from Babcock on the bus saying, I want to see you after the bus ride. That was after a game that Broder had a bad game, I think, against the Americans. And, yeah, five-two or just, something like that. Right, and just that entire process. He said he was sick to his stomach, like he was going to throw up. Um, how nervous he was, and just to you know go through that through the quarterfinals and the semis and the Parisi goal and everything. I really wanted to get in into it with him about how you know how he felt and what the experience was like. And sorry, I got a dog in here bothering. Oh him. no, that's but, a, can uh, we see the
0: dog? <laughs> Yeah, nice. I got
1: three dogs, so this is my uh, beautiful is my puppy, uh, Hugo. But uh, um, yeah, so that's one of my favorite chapters in the book of him really sort of pouring out his heart on what the 2010 Olympics meant to him.
0: Okay, yeah, well, let's, let's talk about that, that. You have a new book out called Beauties, Hockey's Greatest mm-hmm. Untold Stories. Uh, we have a saying on this podcast network, honest people, honest podcasts. I'm going to be honest with you. I have not read the book, but <laughs> I okay. have... I have listened to the companion podcast. I listened to the second episode with uh, Steven Stamkos and John Cooper. And I just yeah. want to know, like, how long did it take you to write this book? What was the process like writing this book? Because I imagine a person in your position in hockey media, you hear a lot of goofy stories like this. You hear a lot of goofy stories, but it's about finding the right opportunity to tell them and getting them on the record. So how much research did right. you have to pour into this book? How long did it, the writing process take for you?
1: So first of all, don't uh, uh, don't worry about not having read the book. It's, on, it's on my two-read list. Last, I've, I've done a lot of media the last two weeks, and uh, uh, I always you never assume anybody has time to read the books. My wife always argues that uh, she's, I'm the only guy she knows that has written more books than he's read. <laughs> so uh, don't worry about it whatsoever. I'm glad you got a chance to listen to the podcast, because it's, uh, it's pretty cool, I think. Um, so basically, I just think it's those 18 years on the panel, Nick, and sitting beside uh, the coolest part of the gig probably and the coolest part of my job is we had all these rotating guys in yeah. on the panel, ex-coaches, uh, ex-players, Hall of Famers would come in, and people would see us doing the intermissions or the pre-games at home. But the funnest part is just sitting watching the game. Everybody's got their feet up on the desk, and the guys are – they're much looser when they're not on TV. So they'll end up telling you stories they would never tell on TV. And it probably clicked into me maybe five years ago that I could ever put all these stories in a book because that's the best part. Like if you had like, who's your favorite hockey player?
0: All time or right now? Let's say, let's say all time. All time. Who probably someone like Marcus Naslin.
1: Okay. So if you, you know, had Marcus Naslin, uh, in a, in a, in a bar in Yale town, you and a couple of buddies, right? You just want to hear, you just want to hear stories, right? Oh, yes. That's what you'd want to hear. And I think that's so, so what I did is I called 60 guys and said, just tell me your favorite hockey story. Tell me the story that you would tell, you know, with Nick and me in the bar uh, that maybe you, and also that you've never told before. Cause a lot of guys, it was tough to get, you know, especially with guys like Bobby Orr and Gretzky, we've had a hundred books written about them. Tell me a story that I haven't heard before. You know, Bobby Orr told the story about he, the first time he saw McDavid, which was really cool. And, and uh, Gretz told the story from the 85 final that he never told before. And, uh, so I just, it was just a really cool experience. I started, I guess about 13 months ago now. And, uh, Bobby Orr was actually the very first guy I, I called who got the first story from. And, um, and just went through that process of getting a hold of guys. Uh, I wanted all the big names like Crosby and McDavid and Gretzky and Orr and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, but I also wanted just good storytellers, right? Guys like Luongo and uh, old, you know, Kelly Chase and some of the guys I work with. Bob McKenzie told, tells a great story in the book that he's never told before about a shootout, uh, a shootout attempt he gets on Vladislav Tretiak. So uh, it was just, it was a really fun process. It was labor intensive because tracking down all these guys, you know, getting Sidney Crosby for an hour or Wayne Gretzky for that amount of time is a challenge in itself. And then getting all the interviews together and and transcribing them and, uh, and then putting it together and deciding which stories would be in and out is is a process, but it was a lot of fun, right? Because it's, you get to, you know, sort of be the guy they're telling these, you get to hear the stories first, right? And then I got to figure out a way to tell them. So as best I can on page, so you guys will enjoy them. So I'm, uh, I'm probably more proud of this book than any of the other ones I've written just because of all that. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think what really strikes me about this book, and I think it's the perfect time to release a book like this, is the positive stories, the lighthearted stories. People want stories like that right now. People want those positive, lighthearted stories because it's so easy to go on Twitter right now and just doom scroll and be like, oh, well, climate change, yeah, we're all screwed. Yeah. Uh, you know, COVID, no new COVID, ta- record COVID cases, we're all screwed. But it's good, it's good to have a book like this and a podcast, which I really enjoy as well. Just with positive, yeah. lighthearted stories, right? I think it's the perfect time for it right now.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I obviously I didn't see COVID t- coming when I when, when I wrote the <laughs> book or uh, uh, anything like that. But I, I think you're right. We all need something like that. And even hockey per se, like hockey had a rough year, and yeah. I think that uh, all the issues, uh, whether it be racism or some of the coaching abuse stories that broke, uh, you know, those deserve to be covered because we have to completely eliminate that from the game. Yes. Uh, but you know, at the same time hockey's got a lot of good people in it and and a lot of and i wanted to sometimes you do need a break from all the heaviness whether it be in the sport or around you and um that's why i did this book now there are some serious stories in the book as well but mm. uh you know for the most part it's it's pretty it's pretty lighthearted, uh, good fun stuff
0: okay so i know we gotta get going soon but i just have a couple more questions you mentioned yeah, your no, family you, you you mentioned your family earlier we do, we do podcasts with a guy named Trevor Beggs, and he just had his first daughter, beautiful baby girl, awesome. named Everly. And I need, to have, I need to ask you some parenting advice, first-time parenting advice for Trevor Beggs, because I know Beggsy is going to be listening to this. What parenting advice do you have for Trevor Beggs? And I, wa- I, w- I want to clarify that I hope it's better advice than when I had Jeff Patterson on this podcast, and I asked him parenting advice, and he basically said, it's okay if you drop the baby a couple times. They're very durable.
1: Oh, uh, Begsy, is it?
0: Yeah, uh, Trevor Begs. We call him Begsy.
1: Okay, Begsy. First of all, congratulations. Uh, We're all very happy for him. Everly's a beautiful name. And I know this is kind of the unspoken thing, I think, with guys. I think I was like that way that deep down in your hearts, maybe like when I was young, I because I, I didn't know girls and girls scared the hell out of me <laughs> that I, maybe I wanted boys. I had a boy first and then I had two amazing daughters. And daughters are just the single greatest thing in the history of the world. No offense to my son, but I don't know. Hopefully he doesn't listen to this. Yeah. There's something about a daughter that just completely melts your heart. So, um, man, I would say to, uh, you know, besides the obvious, uh, Hallmark card stuff, which is enjoy every moment, which is like my favorite years. I will say, look, let's be honest, Begsy. The first year the baby doesn't do much looking back, you know, The baby doesn't do much in the first year. You love it and everything, but it doesn't do much. Uh, When you get to about one and a half to, I would say six, those are the favorite years of my life. And we had three and four years, so it was complete and utter mayhem. But, man, those really, you know, take a gazillion photos and enjoy every moment, but don't sweat too much. Uh, Okay, so if, if you want Everly to be a hockey player and, you know, she cries when you hand her a stick when she's three, don't sweat that stuff, okay? Because I, those were the mistakes I made. I remember I took my son to power skating when he was four, and he cried and sat in the penalty box and wouldn't go on the ice. And I was like, I'm a failure. Or my son's never going to play hockey. And uh, he was just fine. So don't sweat uh, anything that they don't do well early or they're not passionate about. Uh, don't worry about it. They'll come around and they'll find their path, all right? So I think that we, uh, we as parents in general worry way too much about that kind of stuff. So uh, just just relax and let them become whatever they want to become.
0: Looking forward to Begsy's uh, first full year. The daughter was just born two weeks ago. So looking for a full year of Begsy just not doing anything with his daughter because they apparently don't don't do anything. They don't do anything. You
1: love her. You know, love her. Hold her. Take care of her. But I'm just saying, it's not going to get real fun until they're about one.
0: Okay. Now now this is the final question. Uh, Your top three NHL jerseys of all time.
1: Oh. Okay. So uh, I don't know. These might not be popular. I get a, I still get a visceral reaction. My first favorite team was the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, a guy named Cliff Coral used to, uh, when I was a baby, we lived next to his family in Edmonton, and so that was the first team I knew when I was five years old. Oh, Cliff Coral, Blackhawks. So the Blackhawks white jerseys, uh, I still get like a, a little reaction when I see them sometimes because that takes me back to my childhood. My next favorite team, I was a bit of a bandwagon jumper, was the Islanders. I didn't, like, <laughs> knock during the dynasty. Denny, I lived in Ottawa. Denny Potfam played for the 67s, so I followed him. Uh, same with the Islanders-Whites. It's always the Whites for me. So that's going to be number two. Blackhawks, Whites, Islanders, Whites. And uh, number three, maybe I should go more modern for number three. What do I really like? It's NHL jerseys, you're saying, right? Not jerseys, just period, yeah, NHL, jerseys, NHL period. jerseys, yeah, yeah. Uh, probably, I, I, I'd hate to say it, but I probably go with the Habs, whites third. I, I, I don't know what it is, and I hated the Habs when I was a kid, but there is something about those iconic jerseys that. Uh, I was going to go something like the like the LA Kings, like blacks. I like I like the modern things that that way, but. Those three, I'm gonna go classics and go and go. Um, yeah, what I said: Blackhawks, Islanders, Habs. All whites are my three favorites.
0: Okay, you're a bit of a traditionalist when it comes to like hockey jerseys. Yeah,
1: sorry about that. I couldn't. I, I, I'm trying to think of like my favorite modern one, but uh, I can't come up with it. I thought you sorry. would have said like
0: Nordiques or something like that. That would be. That would, I would no. put money on that.
1: No, I hated those. I hated those.
0: <laughs> okay, So a lot of people like those. And though. I know
1: there's like there's a bit of retro for the Canucks. Those like those Yuki Canucks yellow brown ones. But
0: you don't you're not you're I'm not a sorry. flying V guy.
1: You never you're never going to convince me that those are good looking. What about sorry, the my f- dogs are having a brawl? Oh no, here it's fine. You can, this is what they do every night. Is okay, say, just uh, kind of have a little fun battle there. Over, battle over <laughs> toys. So, <laughs> yeah, nice. If you're hearing extraneous background noise, I'm sorry. No, no we
0: we promise. we are a pro dog podcast, so you don't have We're to worry about that. We're pro pro dog. It's okay. Okay, uh, James, thank you so much for doing this podcast, coming on this podcast, and I just want to say, like, you know, I'm 26 years old, for someone who grew up watching hockey, you are one of the faces of hockey, you are one of the people who I've always associated with hockey coverage in this country, thank you so much again for coming on the podcast, and hopefully we can have you on again, this was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, no, thank you so much, buddy, I'm sorry, by the way, it took me so long, and I, uh, probably was terrible at answering emails, which I usually am, but, uh, I'm glad I, 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 it's always a pleasure to come on. I, my heart is still in Vancouver. We were talking about that whole Toronto discussion. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this publicly, that if I could do what I do and live in BC, I would do it. Because uh, I can remember when I got the call from TSN, I was on a, uh, my, my wife's parents had come out to visit. She wasn't my wife yet, but uh, we were on a fishing boat uh, on English Bay. Wow. and I literally ha- had a, sa- we were salmon fishing and I had a salmon on the line uh you know we rented one of these boats down at the false creek or whatever and uh and i was like i had a salmon on the line in the english bay on this beautiful bc day and the phone rang and it was keith pelly who was then the head of tsn who offered me the job at tsn and part of me was like "Ah, i don't really want to leave here (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah so i i love bc and uh hope to maybe move back there someday but uh thanks for having me on and uh Really
0: appreciate it. All right. Thank you to James Duffy for coming on the podcast. Much appreciated. I think that's already one of the best interviews, maybe the best interview we've done on the power of the towel podcast. And yes, this is the season finale of the power of the towel podcast for the Nuxpus Conduct Network. I just want to say thank you very much to everyone who has supported this podcast since I started back in January. Looking back, the absolute worst time to start a hockey podcast, January of 2020. I had two solid months of pre-COVID, and then boom, I had to switch it up on the fly. But hey, life throws you some curveballs. Life throws you some stuff that you're not expecting. I think we've all learned that in 2020. But there will be one more episode of Power of the Towel before the end of the year. The best of 2020 episode of Power of the Towel. I'll be clipping together some of my favorite moments from interviews, other moments in the podcast. Don't worry, that will be coming before the end of 2020, which I'm sure we are all looking forward to. Anyways, that's this week's episode, this year's final episode for a final actual episode of Power of the Towel for the Nexus Conduct Network. I'm your host, Nick Bondi. Thank you for listening.